Making COPPA More Harmful, YouTube and Protect Kids. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are once again going to talk about COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act of 1998. And if you are new to the channel, if you are following us now after seeing our video on copyright infringement and fair use, uh, then you may not be familiar with the fact that the COPPA rule has been under a great deal of examination that YouTube had entered into a settlement late last year that required them to go get boxes checked and for YouTubers to have to deal with establishing whether or not their channel was directed at kids, whether their content was directed at kids on an individual basis. And this has been an area of some consternation for a great many people. As a matter of fact, I've pulled up our YouTube at large playlist, which does include the stuff that we talked about late last week and this weekend regarding copyright infringement. But for the most part, this big midsection here talks a lot about COPPA. YouTube's made for kids designation should not be read as family friendly, targeting your website. Uh, a lawyer looks at the arguments against the YouTuber's general sentiment that COPPA is too strong, too stringent, uh, other things that YouTube has said, what other YouTube lawyers have said from Legal Eagle uh, and other folks. And we've covered this at length. And frankly, we haven't had a lot to kind of dive into since the middle of December of last year or so. And I've received comments on the videos that I did last week and earlier that said, hey, Rick, when are you going to get back to talking about COPPA? And I responded to them and I said, basically, hey, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to make a video or any kind of content that doesn't have something new to say. I will talk about COPPA when there is something new to say. And today, as it turns out, is that day because a lot of stuff has happened, some of which is kind of on the periphery, but I wanted to bring your, to your attention if you are interested in this issue, and some of which is a little bit more concerning, depending on how you feel about the act and the rule itself. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was that today, actually, there was a tech freedom discussion uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, where a number of YouTubers actually went and talked about this issue. This is tech freedom. They actually described the situation as follows. They say roughly a million people have urged the Federal Trade Commission to rethink its approach to children's privacy. Join Tech Freedom on January 13th, 2020 in Washington, D.C. Federal Trade Commissioner Noah Phillips will keynote a luncheon discussion of the most controversial proceedings in the history of the FTC, at least since the 1970s. Then as now, the FTC has raised public ire by clamping down on advertising to children in ways that supersede parents rather than empowering them. Over 850,000 people signed an online petition urging the FTC to reconsider its recent settlement with YouTube, which requires even the smallest independent video creators to start determining whether their content is directed to children and requires YouTube to police those decisions automatically. YouTube will sharply restrict functionality for such videos and cease allowing the display of advertising targeted to viewers' likely interests. These changes are estimated to cost content creators up to 90% of their revenues. Another 175,000 people filed comments in the FTC's re-examination of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act rule, last updated in 2013, with the vast majority urging the FTC not to choke off the production of free quality video content online. Now, obviously, that's a biased position, right? Tech freedom is clearly in support of either eliminating or reducing the COPPA Act protections. And so they have gotten together a group of people to actually have that conversation, presumably that are on that side of things. And if you've listened to Virtual Legality, if you've listened to me talk about COPPA, 
you know that I also think that it is too vaguely drawn, that the YouTubers that are creating content and putting videos up are not website operators for purposes of that law. And at bare minimum, regardless of how you feel about whether or not the law is a good one in philosophy, there needs to be greater parameters, greater kind of bright line rules that YouTubers and people that aren't hiring giant multinational law firms to defend them on statutory interpretation against the Federal Trade Commission can rely upon to continue to have a dynamic economy where people do get things that they want to watch uh, and want to otherwise consume. So this actual kind of conversation with tech freedom was something that I was interested in. Unfortunately, I've had a lot of work to do this weekend, last week, today, and so I wasn't able to watch the video live. But I did note that some folks that I have talked to about this issue, like Creekcraft, like Jeremy Johnson of J House Vlogs, were on the panel. They were talking about these issues. And so I did follow Tech Freedom on Twitter to kind of hear exactly some of the highlights of what was being said at this particular forum. And so I recommend reading this. I've got a link to at least one of the tweets in this thread so that you can check it out yourself. But one of the things that jumped out at me, and I didn't really understand where it was coming from, was J House Vlogs, Jeremy Johnson, saying as a takeaway for Congress, raising COPPA's age from 13 to 16 would most would make things even more confusing. It means looking more at the nature of the content. How can you really distinguish between content made for 13, 14, 15, and 16-year-olds? We're going to talk about that in a second. But what, made, what was confusing for me is I didn't know where it had come from, uh, right? And this is the perils of having a different job, doing a lot of things all at once, uh, having your own law firm, all these various things. Uh, is that I didn't see a fairly significant news item that came out maybe two or three days ago. Uh, and it's one that I want to talk to uh, with you now. And it relates to that age increase. It relates to some bills that have been proposed to actually alter COPPA and not in the direction that a YouTuber would want, uh, right? And that's not to say that YouTubers are the only people on earth, that content creators of all stripes, whether they're on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or Reddit or wherever, are the only people that are part of this conversation. There are always interests to balance and other sides to consider. But I want to read to you now an article from Engadget that talks a little bit about this bill. Then we're actually going to dive into the text. Uh, in virtual legality, we like to look at the source material. I like to talk to you about it specifically so that we can discuss what's actually happening, not because I don't trust reporters, not because I don't trust the mainstream media or anything like that, but just because whenever you're shortening something, whenever you're taking just the highlights of something, there is nuance that is lost. That's not the reporter's fault. That's not anybody's fault that is giving you this news. This is useful. This is important stuff. But there is nuance lost, and we try to take a little bit of a deeper dive in virtual legality to actually look at the source material. So that's what we're going to do. But here's the article. Bipartisan bill would give parents more power to protect their kids online. The bill would also broaden COPPA's protections to include mobile apps. Now, we're going to talk about it, but that subheading is slightly wrong. Not because of the author's fault. Uh, it's actually the legislator uh, in this instance, Tim Wahlberg, who is in Michigan, of all places, uh, who essentially has added as part of this bill a number of references to online services, including mobile apps. And I'm going to show you why mobile apps were already included, as one might assume when you think of things that are online, but also that the Federal Trade Commission has been operating under the assumption that mobile apps and mobile app development are included under the ambit of COPPA Anyway, so this is a little bit of busy work. If you're not familiar with how the sausage gets made, what bills look like before they are amended and restated and everything else that goes through the legislative process, uh, this is what the legislature does. So they do a little bit of busy work. Maybe it's clarifying, maybe it's not, but they added a bunch of references to mobile apps when they were probably already covered. 
This article starts, House lawmakers have introduced new legislation that attempts to modernize the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, COPPA, dubbed the Preventing Real Online Threats Endangering Children Today or Protect Kids Act for short. Representatives Tim Wahlberg and Bobby Rush sponsored the bipartisan bill. Tim Wahlberg being the Republican from Michigan, and it looks like Bobby Rush is a Democrat from Illinois. Now, this is just a personal bugaboo, but I always hate now how most bills that get passed or at least get attempted to be passed really, really effort to make their title be able to be spelled out into something like an acronym, right? So preventing real online threats endangering children today, not a great bit of English language, but it gets you to P-R-O-T-E-C-T, which is why it exists in that format, because they want you to call it protect as we do in the title to this video. I don't love that. That's really a sidebar and not, uh, not necessarily apropos of anything, but thought I would mention it. If Congress enacts the bill, online services, websites, and apps will need to give parents the ability to delete any personal information related to their children. That's a power that COPPA in its current form doesn't provide parents, which is arguably true. They have certain powers to prohibit the initial collection, and then once it's prohibited, they can only keep it for so long, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not an express kind of discussion of deletion. Uh, the legislation also aims to raise the age at which companies can collect data from an individual without parental consent from 13 to 16. That's what flagged this for me. And that's what Jeremy Johnston's answer to the Tech Freedom panel didn't make sense to me initially. He was responding to what was undoubtedly a question or a discussion point that was related to this PROTECT Act, related to some of the things that the Federal Trade Commission is considering with how it should interpret COPPA, what COPPA should actually be doing. And I think that's what he was answering to. And thankfully for him... Uh, or thankfully for me, it raised that uh, with me, and I can now talk to you about it because I do think it's a bad thing, given what we already know about COPPA, and it's something that we really do need to think about in terms of how COPPA operates. Uh, when it comes to sites such as Facebook, this means kids won't be able to create an account until they're 16 or older. And then we get the quote uh, from the House representative himself. In the past, predators and perpetrators sought to harm our children by lurking near schoolyards and playgrounds, but now... Due to incredible advancements in technology, they are able to stalk our children through their mobile devices and in video game lobbies, said Representative Wahlberg. Now, I'm just going to let that sit. Uh, but of course, we're talking about how COPPA operates uh, in the real world uh, and not on uh, the cinematic dark web or whatever Representative Wahlberg would have you be discussing with respect to COPPA and how its breadth right now attaches, at least as asserted by the Federal Trade Commission, to people that are uploading cats playing piano videos to YouTube. Uh, and they aren't stalking anybody. Uh, they are arguably not directing those cats playing various musical instruments videos to children. Uh, but the Federal Trade Commission cannot be locked down as to what it means when it says things are directed to children. Uh, and so that's what I want to talk to you about. By increasing the age of what a child is, it actually increases the breadth of the Federal Trade Commission powers uh, pretty substantially. So let's take a look at the actual Protect Kids Act language because that's what we do in virtual legality. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of a warning here. Uh, this is set up as a bill. It's not a final amended and restated version of what COPPA will be at the end of the day. So as you will see here, it is an amendment. Uh, so we can see here the short title is Protect Kids, but it amends what is the existing COPPA Act. So we're actually going to have to take this and look at what the COPPA Act actually says right now uh, to get a fulsome understanding of what's happening here. Although I'm going to shorten that process a little bit for you so that we don't get bored to tears going through this on a YouTube video. 
Because while I don't direct my things at kids, I do want them to be understandable by people of all ages. So let's take a look at what the amendments actually do. It says, first, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act is amended by inserting, including a service provided through a mobile application after online service each place it appears. Uh, and that's important because basically the way COPPA at uh, the COPPA rule works and the COPPA Act works is to say, hey, if you are operating a website or you are operating an online service directed to children, then you're in trouble. You have to comply with these various things. I've pulled up now the main operative part of the act itself. It says, in general, it is unlawful for an operator of a website or online service directed to children or any operator that has actual knowledge that it is collecting personal information from a child to collect personal information from a child in a manner that violates the regulations prescribed under subsection B. That's the main rule. There's other kind of little things that go into this whole thing, but suffice it to say, if you are an operator of a website or an online service that is directed to children, or if you operate something that isn't directed to children, you have actual knowledge that a child is looking at whatever you're doing and you're collecting data from them, you can't collect that data unless you go through this whole process, you comply with all these rules, which as we've talked about in previous videos, primarily consist of parental consent and notification of what exactly it is that you're doing with the data. And so the one of the main amendments that the Protect Kids Act is proposing is to take website or online service and say website or online service, which shall include a service provided through a mobile application. And the reason I flagged that for you earlier as something that the Federal Trade Commission already thinks is an online service is if we go back all the way to the year 2013, I know it's in the previous decade, but bear with me. If we look at how they've actually described the impact of these rule changes. So COPPA was passed in 1998. They promulgated some rules then. They did amended rules in 2013. And so one of the things they have to report on is how these are going to affect various constituencies. I've highlighted it, but if we look at the paragraph here, it says, given the public comments received, the commission now estimates as detailed further below that the final rule amendments will cover 2,910 existing operators of websites or online services and 280 new operators per year. These groups of covered operators would generally consist of certain traditional website operators, mobile app developers, plug-in developers, and advertising networks. The Federal Trade Commission, rightly in my opinion, has always assumed that online services includes mobile services because frankly, most people are online through laptops. So you've got mobile apps, sure, absolutely, but virtually everything online is mobile nowadays and really it was in 2013. Uh, so this is a little bit of busy work, doesn't bother me that much, belt and suspenders language, not the end of the world, but when you get articles like in Gadget saying, hey, it now applies to mobile apps, uh, it never didn't. Uh, COPPA was really always applicable to those things. You can also see kind of an issue with the logic here of applying it to YouTubers, right? Uh, if you look at that number, 2,910 existing operators of websites or online services, that clearly doesn't contemplate channel operators, right? I don't know exactly how many YouTube channel operators there are, uh, but it's a lot more than 2,910. Uh, and 280 new operators per year probably doesn't cover it even as early as 2013 either. It's very clear from the way this operates, from the way the rule was promulgated and everything else, that while they were reserving certain rights to come after certain people that were kind of underlying the website operators that you would traditionally think something like this should apply to, they didn't think it all the way through. And now applying it to YouTube is at bare minimum, if we're giving them the full benefit of the doubt, 
a little bit disingenuous. But that's overall, that's just the first bit of rule changes. So we have to go back to the text of the proposed act. Continuing with the Protect Kids Act, it says in section 1302, now this is one of the hard parts about doing this kind of statutory analysis. If I go back to the COPPA Act, you will see that section 1302 doesn't exist because what was passed in the bill in 1998 has been renumbered and kind of reorganized within the U.S. code. And so 1302 is actually now, I believe, 6501. We'll take a look at it in a second. Uh, But the primary thing that they do here is that they say in paragraph one, we will strike age of 13 and insert age of 16. And what does that do? Right. We've already talked about the fact that this rule primarily only applies to an operator of a website or service directed to children. But one of the really important things there is what in the world does a children mean in this particular act or child? uh, But children is used in the operative term there. The term child means an individual under the age of 13. And what the Protect Kids Act says is we are going to make it under the age of 16. Now, the primary problem with that in its entirety is that how you determine what a website or online service or mobile application directed at children is, is entirely flexible under whatever the Federal Trade Commission would determine it to be, under the rules that they set, under whatever they decide on a given morning. We've talked about it at length before, but if we go and we pull up the rule, and I've got it a little bit highlighted here from kind of previously going through it with you, A website or online service directed to children means a commercial website or portion thereof that is targeted to children. In determining whether that'll be applicable, the commission will consider its subject matter, visual content, use of animated characters or child-oriented activities and incentives, music or other audio content, age and models, presence of child celebrities or celebrities who appeal to children, language or other characteristics of the website or online service, as well as whether advertising, promoting, or appearing on the website or online service is directed to children. Now, As Mr. Johnston points out in the Tech Freedom panel, what in the world are you going to do to determine whether something is applicable to kids under the age of 16? What does it mean when you say content, subject matter, music or other audio content? We're talking about things that appeal to kids under the age of 12. That's hard enough. That's the purpose of this entire web series that I have done is to say how vague this is. But if you throw on essentially in another different group, and I don't think it can be argued that a 15-year-old is certainly looking at different stuff, wanting to look at different stuff than a five-year-old. But when we start to say 15 versus 10, what does it mean that animated characters or child-oriented activities are called out? What does that mean for a 15-year-old? It's very, very unclear. And so when you start to increase that age, what is already a vagueness and ambiguity problem becomes a much bigger vagueness and ambiguity problem. You give the Federal Trade Commission a great deal more power because, frankly, I think most things in the world are attractive to a great number of 15-year-olds. At that point in the maturity cycle, they're starting to like things that I think society might say they shouldn't yet. That's fine. Uh, But they are starting to like those things. It's one of the great uh, jokes that I have with uh, my family members that The ESRB, when rating video games, decided to call the highest level mature, that it's rated M for mature. And the joke that I always have is, with with some exception, but mostly anything that's rated mature is anything but. 
right? Mature is such a funny word for what amounts to gruesome violence or sexuality or swearing or whatever it might be, that those are most appealing to people that probably aren't on the maximal end of the maturity range. Uh, And that goes without saying that a lot of that's going to be attractive to 15-year-olds. So now if you are making a video about Grand Theft Auto V and going around and doing various things in that game, if it is attractive to a 15-year-old, does that mean you are now directed to kids? And the FTC can't answer this question for under 13. They absolutely 100% can't answer this question for under 16. And if you think there's ambiguity now, there will be ambiguity times 10 if something like an increase of the age from 13 to 16 takes hold because that is such a wacky age and that is a group of ages that are really going to be starting to be attracted to what we would consider adult material. And so if you are directing things solely at video games, for instance, I think there's a problem right now in the definition. I think there's a massive, massive, massive problem in the definition if you increase it to the age of 16. So I do think it's something you're going to want to keep your eyes on if you are a YouTuber, particularly if you're a YouTuber that focuses on things that are games. If you focus on movies and maybe you have before now kept that focus to PG-13 movies uh, because you want to make sure that, hey, at least you have that argument that this is obviously not aimed at kids that are under the age of 13 because the movie is rated X. And that's why I'm talking about it, not X uh, in the MPAA, but but rated a certain age grouping to not have it apply to kids. And that's not going to work anymore if this is increased to under the age of 16. And again, all because Representative Wahlberg thinks that YouTubers are stalking kids through the dark, shadowy cyber world of YouTube. Uh, And certainly there are bad actors there, but I would say the vast majority of people are well-intentioned, well-meaning, trying to stay on the right side of the law. And so when you see something like this, something that comes directly at their livelihood, what they want to do, I, as a lawyer and as someone that likes justice, likes people to understand the rules, look at this and say, no, that's that's an unacceptable kind of thing. You have to go. You have to start making the FTC put together bright line rules. Yeah, amendment to the law is appropriate for that. But this isn't going far enough. This isn't good enough for giving people that guidance in the law that they need and that everybody, frankly, should want. Uh, Continuing with what they change here, I'm not going to go over every bit here. You can see here they add mobile application a bunch. They also add for the information that is barred to be collected direct references to geolocation information and biometric information, uh, which again, I think the uh, Federal Trade Commission has basically been kind of crawling up towards, if you see their comments, if you see what their rules are doing, that those kinds of pieces of information are the personal information that COPPA is already concerned with. I don't really have a problem with the belt and suspenders there. However, it's when we get to the bottom here that we've got more significant problems. So they define biometrics, they define geolocation, and then they come to the bottom here and they say, continuation of service, the regulations shall prohibit the operator of a website, online service, or mobile application from terminating service provided to a child whose parent has refused under the regulations prescribed under the paragraph above to permit the operator's further collection or use of personal information from that child or has required such operator to delete such information. And then as a combo platter with that, they say, you shall be allowed as the parent of a child to request the deletion of the personal information that has been collected. So understand, shortening this, getting rid of the legalese. What this says is if they tell you you can't collect their information, you still have to provide that service regardless of that fact. Now, on a kind of logistical level, one of the things that that actually no question does is essentially eliminate business models 
that require the data to be collected. If you've got something, maybe it's a fun mobile application, maybe it's the next great social game on your iPad that just so happens to have 15-year-olds that love to play it, and a parent comes and says, no, you can't collect that data, you can't collect that information. If you are using that some way to actually operate the website, to actually perform the service, not for anything nefarious, that model can't exist because under this law, if it were passed without amendment, without anybody arguing about it, under this law, you would have the obligation to continue the service without the collection of the data, which doesn't make any sense for anybody that has worked with application development that has put together software. Yes, there are reasons to collect data that are nefarious, that are bad, that have nothing to do with providing the service. But there are also uses for that data that can actually function through the application, including geolocation data that can connect people in a room of Pokemon hunters that are local so that they can talk about, you know, Michigan or their love of the Michigan Wolverines or what have you. And that can't exist uh, in that specific way under the law. Now, what that is replacing is the current COPPA discussion of this. It says the regulations shall permit the operator of a website or an online service to terminate service provided to a child whose parent has refused under the regulations prescribed above to permit the operator's further use or maintenance in retrievable form or future online collection of personal information from that child. In other words, it was a balance. They say, absolutely, you have to consent to our data collection. But we can say, hey, look, this only works with that data collection. So if you refuse it, we can kick you off the service. We can essentially give you the title screen and say it doesn't work without that data collection. And you can sit here, you can comment to this video as much as you want, don't mind it at all, and say, Rick, well, I hate those services, I hate those applications that collect the data, that have that connectivity, and I can't tell you that you're wrong. Uh, I don't necessarily love those services myself, but I do think in general they should be allowed to exist, that the parents that want to permit that data collection, that maybe monitor their kids a little bit more than these other parents that are refusing it, I don't know, that they should have the option to have their kids experience that application if it's all right with them. And what a law like this does is kill it in its crib. If you can't refuse somebody who you can't collect data from, it's obvious that your business, your application, whatever service you are going to provide can't rely on the collection of that data. Otherwise, it's stillborn. And so you look at these kinds of things, and this is not at all unusual. I don't want to just attack the Protect Kids Act on this. But you look at a law like this, and it is completely separated from the way these things actually operate. And, you know, from a congressional standpoint, from a government standpoint, I don't love the fact that it would kill the creation of new applications, potentially new resources, potentially new educational resources or things that Representative Wahlberg or someone else that's co-sponsoring the build in the next couple weeks or what have you might actually love. It will kill those things by requiring people to operate them regardless of the refusal to use the thing that they might otherwise need to operate that application. So at the end of the day, that's the Protect Kids Act. That is a move to make COPPA more vague, to give the Federal Trade Commission more power, power that it doesn't yet currently, under an act that is more than 20 years old, fully understand how to wield now, give it that power without any other instruction to people how they might respond to that additional Federal Trade Commission power. And as you heard from the Tech Freedom Forum, as you heard from Jeremy Johnston, it creates all these issues with what content we're even talking about. And so while I understand, while I am empathetic, sympathetic even, to the desire to protect kids, 
not only do I think for the most part we're talking about boogeymen uh, and we're talking about make work from legislature individuals, representatives that want to get into the press, want to get into Engadget for things like this. Not only that, I also feel like it actually does more harm than good. It actually winds up taking away from the environment, the ecosystem of things that kids could like, that parents could actually approve of, and winds up with a much worse ecosystem, with less content created for anything remotely resembling a kid, with much more content that is completely, completely inappropriate for kids, and essentially people going around all these systems to get at stuff that they shouldn't be getting access to because the entire middle section of things that should be made for 15-year-olds, things that should be made for 12-year-olds, things that should be made for even kids that are a little bit younger than that, doesn't exist because there's too much liability, there's too much risk, and too much power held in the hands of government officials that don't fully understand how any of this works. This has been Virtual Legality for today. Thank you so much for checking it out. If you like this, please like, please subscribe to the channel. Please tell people that we are doing these kinds of things all the time. As I mentioned, we talked about MXR Plays, Juke and Media, copyright strikes, infringement, fair use, the muddy middle of copyright, all those kinds of things. And we are otherwise talking about the law and business of pop culture, video games, movies, other things that we hope can help illuminate some of the news stories that you are seeing from a legal and business perspective. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 